0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Well, for this 21-day fast, we am entitled tonight, Revival in the Drought. And this drought, uh, we're going to review some of what Luke talked about last week, because I want to make sure that we've got the context. Here's... The big thing, if you, don't, um, if you don't get all the details, here's maybe the most important takeaway, in my opinion, related to this fast. This is the most loudly announced fast from heaven that I have heard of. This is the most clearly, uh, the, the clearest storyline with the divine uh, language, the, the moments that God has highlighted This is not a fast called by people that seemed like a good idea. And I'll tell you what, we have been a part of plenty of those and will be in the future. This is different. It's important that you hear this. What is happening May 7th through 28th is a divine setup. It is a different thing than any other fast I've ever heard of or participated in. This has got so so many layers to it, all of which the Lord has been weaving into the storyline. So if you're like, I don't really know what we're praying for. I don't really understand all this. Listen, just take this statement and then uh, investigate it. That would be the best way I could say it. That this fast is the most loudly uh, proclaimed, giant most exclamation point kind of a thing uh, as far as calling a fast of any fast that I'm aware of. Um, I'm grateful that there are millions or whatever that are already signed up for it. But even if there were only 25 people, uh, it would not change my mind about... The uh, the level of importance, how much the Lord has spoken about this fast and about what's going to happen uh, next month, the seventh through the twenty eighth. So I love what Caitlin said. You don't want to miss this. That wasn't like sales language. That was like we're all going to be talking about this fast in the Millennial Kingdom in a thousand years from now. Sometime we're going to be talk, We're going to reference back to that thing that happened in May twenty twenty three. And you just really wanted to have been a part of it. So this is not like salesy. I'm, I'm, I want you to be a part of the storyline of what God's doing in this generation. And I believe God's doing this fast in this generation. I mean, that's how big of a deal this is. This is something really, really significant. And so what we've been doing is last week, Luke kind of introduced uh, the fast to us as a community And then I'm going to take a couple of weeks here and talk about a couple of different aspects of the fast. And then uh, Caitlin's going to come and talk about another aspect of this fast uh, a few weeks out. So these next several weeks, we're committing to trying to empower us and equip us to understand uh, what the Lord is doing and to really be able to throw ourselves into it. I mean, this is the biggest ask we've ever asked as a ministry related to a, a fast. Like, try to fast for 21 days at some level and try to come to TPR every single one of those 21 days and try to be in the room for obnoxious numbers of hours. I mean, that's like a really big ask. So we're going to take the time to try and help supply the the information uh, so that you can say yes to this and that that you've even got it kind of rooted in you. So with that, I'm, again, doing a little review from last week, but some of you weren't here for it or uh, didn't. Uh, catch it online for those of you who are joining us that way. Um, the 21-day fast of 1983. So uh, as a point of reference here, um, IHOP Kansas City, before it was even called IHOP, it was uh, a, a local church in the Kansas City area led by Mike Bickle, who's the current founder of, of the ministry of IHOP KC. Uh, Mike was leading a, a community of young adults, had maybe a church of you know several hundred people, and... Uh, He really felt stirred by the Lord to do something pretty crazy in a city that he was new to. uh, As far as leading in a a pastoral sense, uh, he felt like the Holy Spirit gave him specific instructions out of Daniel chapter nine to call a 21-day fast for revival to break out uh, in their area and in the in the church in America. He's like, well, that's a that's a cool idea except when you get to the point of calling people. And so here's what he felt called to do. He felt stirred to actually call the region, to call pastors across the region, for them to come and participate in this fast. And that's, that's a bold move for a 27-year-old you know, young man you know, leading a little church in Kansas City to call the region to a 21-day fast. That was pretty audacious. So when he, when he felt like the Lord was speaking this to him, it was strong enough that he was planning to do it even though he hadn't yet gotten confirmation. He asked the Lord, Lord, in your kindness, would you confirm that I'm actually supposed to do this because this is kind of like outside of my depth? Well, the next day, a man called him, that had recently been introduced to their community as a prophetic voice. His name's Bob Jones, and Bob Jones calls Mike and says, uh, uh, "Mike, um, I've got something for you." And, and Bob and Mike says, "No, Bob, I need to tell you something else. It's really important." And Bob says, "I know. I've already heard it." And and Bob goes, or Mike goes, "No, no, no. You don't understand. This is like something really important." He said, "Yeah, I understand." He said, "The angel Gabriel." revealed, it showed up in my room last night. I had an encounter. He appeared to me. The angel Gabriel did. Well, the angel Gabriel is the main face and focus, main character, if you will, of Daniel chapter nine. Okay. The angel Gabriel told Bob Jones, he said, tell Mike, give him Daniel chapter nine, and he will know what to do. So now Mike is on the phone blown away because he's never had an encounter like what he had the day before where he's feeling like the Lord is instructing him to call a 21-day fast based out of Daniel chapter 9, the angel Gabriel. And here now Bob is telling him that very thing that the angel Gabriel appeared to him. So let's pretend that Bob just made it up. He made up the exact right thing from the exact right character from the exact right chapter in the Bible. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable, and it very much confirmed to Mike, here was the reason that the Lord sent uh, the angel Gabriel to Bob Jones. The, uh, the important part about it was to confirm that this fast, that calling this fast was from God. So Mike's, Mike's on board. He says, okay, we're going to do it. So then Bob says, you know what, though? You're going to need more than that. You're going to need more because this is going to be a really trying thing it says, on the day, excuse me, you start the fast, May 7th, you've already got the date figured out. He goes, yeah. It says, on the day you start the fast, there's going to be a comet that is going to appear across the sky that has never been predicted by scientists. So it's not in the almanacs. It's not out there. They don't know that it's coming. And, and Mike goes, there, how would that even be possible? I, if the scientists are paying attention. How would there be a comet that nobody sees coming? He says, on the day of the fast, May 7th, there will be a comet come across the sky that will confirm to you that this fast really was from God. May 7th, 1983. And so Mike's like, well, that's crazy. Okay, cool. May 7th, they meet. The comet comes across the sky. The newspaper reads, surprise, May surprise comet, uh, unpredicted by scientists. Where did this come from? That's sort of those sorts of articles. And Mike's blown away. What the point of it was is everybody that was a part of the fast, May 7th, 1983, was supposed to understand for sure the fast was from God. The fast was for revival in America. That was for the fast. The fast was to see God move in America. All right? Let's keep following the the storyline here. The last day of the fast. So they've done the 21 days. They are wrung out. They are so tired. Last day of the fast... Bob Jones comes in again, he says, he gets up in front of everybody, he says, well, I missed it. And Mike's like, you missed it? What, what do you mean, the fast isn't from God? No, no, not the fast isn't from God. He goes, well, what do you mean you missed it? He said, the Lord appeared to me again. And he said, tell them the fast was from me, that's the good news, and it's going to end in revival in America. God is going to respond to the fast and he's going to bring revival to America. And everybody's like, that's great. This is great news. Well, what, what could possibly be the bad news? Bob goes, it isn't going to happen for quite a while. What, what do you mean? Like, we were hoping revival's going to break out next week. We just fasted for 21 days. Like, we want revival. He's like, the fast was from God, the comet was from God. He said, this too is from God. The Lord is going to break in on a spiritual drought. Right now, there is a spiritual drought in America, he told uh, the people and Mike. He said, there's a spiritual drought in America, and God has a day appointed where he is going to break in on the drought in America, and he is going to end the drought. But until he ends the drought, there is going to be a spiritual drought in America. And Mike's like really distraught. He says, the Lord promises another sign. and goes, what do you, what do you mean? There is going to be a drought in the natural across Kansas City that is going to be a picture of the drought in America. And the Lord has a day appointed where he's going to break in on the drought on August 23rd. This is Bob sharing this in front of all these people. On August 23rd, there is going to be a a flood of of the Spirit. You're going to see the rains come on August 23rd. But from now until August 23rd, there is going to be a drought. Well, it turns out... It was one of the worst droughts in Kansas City's history. Only one other time was there a drought worse than that and on record. And it was just slightly, it was like, you know, a tenth of an inch or a hundredth of an inch uh, less rain. So for that three-month period, there was, in fact, a drought. But here's the thing. The Lord said, I'm going to send you this drought in Kansas City because the fast was from me. Revival coming as a result of this fast is from me. But it's not going to happen for quite a while. That's also from me. I have a date circled on my calendar where I will break in on the drought in America just like I'm going to break in on the physical drought in Kansas City on August 23rd. So on August 23rd, they gather. It is a hot day. There is no cloud in sight. There is no way it's going to rain. And at 7 o'clock that night when they gather for their meeting, all of a sudden there's a deluge. This rain, this huge storm comes, and people can't even get out of their cars to get into the meeting because after a three-month drought, there was just a downpour. It came out of nowhere. So much rain. It just blew their mind and all of them go, it's God, it's really God. So now they've got a little bit of steadiness because they know the fast that we did was from the Lord. He is gonna send revival. He's got a day circled and it's a long time off and we're supposed to stay steady. That was the storyline of all this. And the reason that the Lord gave all that, I think we're actually walking into 40 years later. Here we are, May 7th, 2023, 40 years later. The Lord doing all this stirring to get Mike Bickle and the IHOP community to call this fast, to then get millions of people across the earth to agree to it and be a part of it. There's a divine storyline. See, because who's in charge of the narrative? A guy named Mike Bickle or the Holy Spirit? The Lord. The Lord is in charge. So to me, I look at this and go, the fact that the Lord is stirring up a 40-year anniversary fast where the beginning fast, they were told, this one isn't going to do the trick. It's gonna, you're going to get the answer because you did this fast, but it's not for a long time. You're not going to see revival break out anytime soon, but you will see it break out. The Lord has an appointed day. I ask myself the question, why is the Lord reengaging the same conversation 40 years later? It's because the Lord has an appointed day. It's really important that we track with that. See, we're not entering into just some normal fast. This may well be the thing that breaks everything open. We have got to press in for this. This is not a mamsy-pamsy sort of a thing. This is, a, this is like take off work. This is go all in. This is figure it out. This is be wrung out for 21 days. Give it all. Leave nothing left behind. Pour yourself out for 21 days. Let's press into this thing. That's what we're experiencing right now. That's the moment that we're in. I'm just going to give you a little bit more context here and then uh, share some stuff that I think will be helpful. I'm on page three. I'm skipping around a little bit, going to letter D. The leadership of IHOP Kansas City to the global prayer movement. Now, here's what happened. 1983, the Lord was starting... It was kind of this early starting of a global prayer movement across uh, the earth and of a national prayer movement that would be part of that global reality Um, and all the different houses of prayer and praying churches and solemn assembly, all these different things that would be happening. There was something significant beginning in that church in Kansas City in 1983. Well, now their ministry is huge and it's got international influence it's got the global influence and there is a there's a whole movement of people of which we would definitely be part of that that have been part of this swirl part of this story that began let's call everything's got 20 beginnings but let's go ahead and call the beginning 1983 and even this fast that we're talking about 1983 being a significant starting point why does that matter There were many words, many promises, there was DNA, there was purpose, there was prophetic words that were given to that group of people that said yes in 1983 to the assignment of the fast. And they said yes in 1983 to the assignment of building a house of prayer. Well, that house of prayer has turned into a global prayer movement of which we are a part. The promises don't belong to IHOP Kansas City. They belong to everybody that's saying yes to the same thing that IHOP Kansas City said yes to. It's not just an iHOP Kansas City thing. It, the reason that there are millions of people buying into this fast is because there's millions of people that say, "That's my story. That's our story. Not they want it to be, not they think it'd be cute, not they want a tag team, not they want to roll the dice. It is, in fact, our story and our inheritance as well. See, a movement began, and now everybody that's a part of that movement that's connected to it, they are connected to those same prophetic words, same prophetic promises. So now here we are 40 years later, and you kind of see the little wink of the Lord where he's like, hey, this fast that you're doing, just, this is just my commentary, I think Mike would be on board with this. The fast that happened in 1983 was all to get a planet ready for the fast in 2023. The fast in 2023 is going to usher in the revival. Because the fast in 2023 is now a mobilized uh, body across the earth instead of just a localized group there in Kansas City. Because the Lord's purposes are so much bigger than what he wants to do in Kansas City, though Kansas City is part of his planet, and he wants to do good things on his planet, which includes Kansas City. So this promise, this fast, we are now experiencing a next level, a next generation reality. It's now the inheritance of our fathers that have gone before us. I mean, just think about somebody that, that grows up poor, makes a, a, you know, a wealthy you know, uh, inheritance for themselves, and then passes it off to their kids. Here we are, 40 years later, getting to walk into these promises, getting to experience this blessing and, and be a part of this and the storyline. This is a really remarkable opportunity. Now, I just want to throw this out there because for some of you, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about all this stuff. I didn't know there was an IHOP Kansas City. I don't know what all this storyline is. We have on our website, and we recommend people to listen to this all the time, a 12-part um, IHOP Kansas City Prophetic History. It is rich. It tells all these stories and many, many more. It is a rich, rich resource. It will fuel your soul. It will make you love Jesus more even if you're not a part of the prayer movement. you just hear God's stuff and you'll go, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I love Jesus more. And so I want to encourage you, if you're not familiar with IOP Kansas City's 12-part uh, prophetic history, we've got it on our website. I want to I point you that direction. Okay. Let's now talk about some of the prophetic words that came into this movement that we just identified that we're part of. At its conception, and now I want to go back just slightly, not to the fast in 1983, but to the setup of the fast in 1983. This Bob Jones uh, prophet, he came to Mike Bickle and uh, had a uh, first meeting with him. And during that meeting, he gave him many prophetic words about the future of their ministry and of their movement. And you just imagine meeting a person and them telling you, you're going to have a ministry and it's going to be a global movement. That is a really crazy, big, wild, and pride-provoking statement. You, little person, you're going to be a global movement guy. You're going to start a global movement. That's just a really powerful, important, strange, and and all sorts of dangerous thing to hear as a 27-year-old. And that's what he told him. He said, not only that, I'm going to tell you a ton of details about what this movement is going to do, what's going to market, what's going to happen with it. And I'm just giving you some of the words that were given that very first day that are specific to the revival thread, okay? To the things that the Lord spoke on day one related to revival that are all part of this revival that we're believing for. So I'm just going to go through these. Words about the revival to come. A full manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Letter A. Then that first meeting, the Lord used Bob Jones to tell Mike, when this thing breaks out, <clears throat> when revival is, you know, uh, at its kind of its fullest or whatever, there's going to be a full manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. Think John 14, 12, greater works than these. You will do, because I'm going to the Father. A full manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I appreciate the little bit that we get to see in this hour related to the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. But... We are like a million miles away from the fullness of what we read about in, you know, the book of Acts, what we read about in uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. I mean, what we read about in a lot of different places, a full manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. That's part of what we're believing for in this coming revival. So as you're in this room for the 21 days praying, oh, God, bring revival, I mean, you could pray on the mic or whatever you want in your heart. Lord, bring a full manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit just in agreement with what you've already spoken about where this is going. Part B, power beyond the book of Acts. That is an unbelievable promise. But you just have to put that into perspective. When Jesus came and launched the church and the book of Acts began, that was the beginning of a story. The most important story ever. The most important story ever told. The story of Jesus and his purpose and his church and his bride. But that was the beginning of the story. Well, now we're nearing the end of the story. And you'd better believe the end of the story will have the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit in operation even greater than its beginning point, even greater than its conception. So part of what we're believing for in this revival is things would begin to happen in the church that would start to look very ax ish and more. That we would start to see those things in manifestation. Very first day Bob Jones met Mike Bickle, he told him the craziest thing. He said, revival will come on the heels of Roe versus Wade being overturned. Holy moly. That was a bold thing to say because it sure didn't look like that was ever going to happen. 1983, 1982, it didn't look like that was going to ever happen. We just watched that happen. But I've been hearing that for years and years and years. This is not like somebody just said this after Roe versus, we've been talking about this for years. This is part of the prophetic destiny and the DNA of the movement that we're a part of, of which this fast, we are coming to a head here. We are believing big things, this fast coming up. The white horse with nine foot wings. Very first meeting, Bob explained uh, to Mike, he said, listen, this movement is going to be like a giant horse, like a Pegasus kind of a thing. With nine foot wings, nine fruit of the Spirit, and nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. He said these wings are going to be massive. It's going to be a powerful movement that is going to operate in the fruit of the Spirit and the, and the gifts of the Spirit in a profound way. This is, li- this is awesome. This is what we're heading into. Skipping down... According to the Luke 5 miraculous catch of fish, in that very first meeting, uh, Bob told Mike, he said, listen, it's going to look like it's never going to happen, and then suddenly, you're going to be doing the same stuff you were doing. The same things you've already, already, always been doing, the same faithfulness, the same thing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you're going to see the revival break out. It's going to be like Luke chapter 5 and the miraculous catch of fish. I just want to read it real quick. Luke 5, 3 through 6, he got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little further from shore. He sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. We have been doing what we're supposed to do. We are fishermen. We have been doing the fisherman thing every day. We we know how to do the fisherman thing. We've been doing it. He said, but you know what? Because you say so, I will do it. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Unbelievable. I just think about the monotony of the prayer movement over the course of the last decade. We've just been doing what we're supposed to do. We show up and we do prayer meetings, and we pray the same prayers over and over again, and and we try to talk ourselves into coming back again tomorrow. And we've been doing it again and again. We've been praying for revival. We've been contending, and it just seems like there's just no fish to be caught in that pond. And all of a sudden, the Lord is going to speak and we're going to let down for a miraculous catch of fish. We're going to see things transition, go from no revival to revival in a second. That's the word of the Lord. The Lord told Mike that the very first day that Bob and uh, Mike met. Another word. There's not a prayer meeting in town where a young man can find deliverance. was another word <coughs> related to uh, this, or the very first time that uh, Bob met Mike. And Bob told him. He said, a time is coming where... People will come to your prayer rooms, or your prayer room, and, and the movement that's a part of this. He said, they'll come to your prayer room because they want to receive deliverance, and no one will pray for them. They'll just walk in the room, and the presence of God will deliver them from their demons. He said, there will be such power resting on this movement. You guys will be experiencing a move of the Holy Spirit in a profound way on the regular to where people will be coming because they heard there's a fire. I mean, they will, they will come because they want the anointing, because they want to be touched. He said, that's where this thing is going. All right, well, let me get some practical and Bible stuff. God's consistent prescription for revival. I'm so grateful for this. Now, the part about it that I, I'm pained by, and you all are in that same ache, I'm sure, is a lot of times I feel a little bit like Mike Bickle when Bob Jones get up, gets up at the last day of the fast and he says, God's going to bring revival. And everybody's excited. He says, it's just not going to happen for a long time. And you just need to keep doing what you're doing. The word of God, this is the part that excites me, the word of God guarantees revival. It guarantees it. It is absolutely 100% guaranteed with the prescription. If you want revival, do this. And God says, you'll have it. The problem is... No one wants to do what the prescription is, and so we don't have revival. No one wants to do the prescription because the prescription is, in fact, very, very costly. But it's not confusing. It's extremely simple, and it's a promise. It's not a maybe. I mean, it's like if you do it, and you keep doing it, and you press in, God will bring the revival. So that's the good news, is that there's a prescription in the Word about how this will uh, go. Now, We, there's a lot of variables that we don't have answers to, but we actually do know the prescription and it's a promise in the Bible. So let's look at it. First of all, I want to look at Psalm 85, four through seven. If anybody's been around here for a while, you're probably tired of hearing me pray and uh, read and pray this verse over and over again. But this is a promise in the book of Psalms. It says, restore us, put away your displeasure toward us. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation. You've got to ask the question, why was this prayer, because it's a prayer, it's a song, but it's a prayer, why was this prayer recorded in the Bible? Why is this in the Bible? Oh, so we could just feel sad like, you know, the psalmist was sad. No. It's so we could get theology about what we can expect if we will cry out and ask God for a move, and it specifically says, revive us, revive the hearts. Then it says, uh, uh, show us your unfailing love, O Lord, putting it back on the Lord. Lord, we need you to show us your unfailing love in this reviving our hearts thing. We need you to do it. It needs to be of your working. We'll cry out for it. We need you to show us your unfailing love, and also, Lord, grant salvation all over the place. We need a revived heart for those that know the Lord, and we need salvation for those that don't. And we need you to grant it, God. We need you to do this. This is Bible language giving us an invitation to contend for revival. Look what else. This is Hosea uh, 10.12. Sow righteousness for yourselves. Reap the fruit of unfailing love and break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Okay, what's going on here? This is the prophet Hosea. He's describing this same thought process, seeking the Lord until he comes and he brings the answer to prayer. Specifically, this showers righteousness on a community, showers righteousness on a nation, brings revival. Revival. Okay, this is Hosea giving us one more piece of information, the Holy Spirit inspiring the prophet Hosea to tell us how this works. It's really important that we understand this. The first part I wanted to to mention was we need to realize God's willingness. He is willing to send revival. It was his idea, not ours. The second, we need to seek him until he does it. It is time to seek him until he comes and he does it. It is time to seek him. Listen, the prescription is really simple. It's just hard on the nerves. It's hard on the flesh. Because we don't like to wait for anything. And we really don't like the concept of give a bunch of effort and it not show an immediate return. What if it's give a bunch of effort, give a bunch of effort, give a bunch of effort, because we're sowing into a bowl in heaven. And when the bowl is full, then the bowl tips, and the bowl won't tip until the bowl is full. It's really how it works. Seek the Lord. It is time to break up the unplowed ground. It is time to seek the Lord in this concept of pressing in for revival. It is time to do that until it happens. United together in a solemn assembly, Zephaniah 2 1 through 3. Look at this. Gather together. Gather yourselves together. The concept of us praying alone for revival is insufficient. We have to gather together. There is part of the prescription requires us coming together. And just as a, a little side point, part of the reason for that is it's mightily inconvenient. It is so much easier to pray at home with no accountability and with all the distractions and to not have to drive to the place and then have to put up with people. Music's too loud. There's too, pe- too many people in the room. There's too few people in the room. Uh, somebody prayed weird. I don't like it when they do that. All the human dynamics. And the Lord says, you're a family Deal with it, gather together, get in a room, and deal with your crud. Gather together. It is not a negotiable point. It is a non-negotiable. You must gather together. If you want revival, you have to seek it together. It will not come by individuals pursuing God alone. He says you must gather together. Before the decree takes effect and the day passes like windblown, uh, windblown chaff, Before the Lord's fierce anger comes, before the day of the Lord's wrath, seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. See, that's interesting. Who is the prescription to? To the lost? To the half hearted? No, the prescription is to the people that are already going for it. He says, You humble of the land, seek the Lord, you humble of the land. Those who have an ear to hear, this is what you're supposed to hear. Seek the Lord, you humble of the land. Do what he commands. Seek righteousness, seek humility, and perhaps you'll be sheltered on the day of the Lord's anger. The Lord is willing to change his mind about things. How about, let's, let's not even talk about judgment or not judgment. We definitely believe in those things. Let's just talk about revival, not revival. Did you know the Lord is willing to change his mind if the, if the humble of the land would seek him and would press in? He's willing to change his mind pressing in in the place of prayer top of page 6 we need to see the signs all around us and then we need to respond look at isaiah 22 verse 12 and 14 or through 14 the lord the lord almighty i just i want to give us some context here on pressing in the importance of it now we just read about you humble of the land let's go ahead and say those that are already responding in the place of prayer I think the prayer movement would fall into the category of you humble the land. I mean, of course, we've got to do it. We've got to hold our humble hearts. But that's for sure a group of people that he's talking to. The humble of the land are supposed to press in, supposed to seek the Lord until he comes, really supposed to have that heart posture. Look what it says here. Those that understand that hear the word of the Lord and don't respond. This is pretty intense. And I recognize the context here is of judgment. But the Lord's promise, not only to those that are living kind of haphazardly or just a little bit, you know, uh, lethargic, his promise even to the most wicked, his promise to a generation that is due complete judgment and being wiped off the map is, even you the most wicked, if you'll follow the prescription, I'll bring you revival instead of judgment. How much more does that apply to people that haven't stepped all the way off the ledge, This is a promise of the way that the Lord promises to respond to people who will respond to him. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, called you on that day to weep and to wail, to tear uh, your hair and put on sackcloth. This is a description of the solemn assembly. This is the Lord making it clear that he's given the decree. It is time to gather and fast and pray. It is time to gather in the solemn assembly to, uh, to fulfill that purpose He says, the Lord called you to do this, but see, there is joy and revelry and slaughtering of cattle, killing of sheep, eating of meat, and drinking of wine. There wasn't supposed to be killing of cattle. There was supposed to be fasting. They weren't supposed to be eating and throwing a party. It wasn't feast time. It was fast time. It wasn't celebrate time. It was mourn and contend and intercede. And the Lord says, this is really intense. The people go, let us eat and drink, you say, for tomorrow we die. And the Lord has revealed this in my hearing. Till your dying day, this sin will not be atoned for, says the Lord, the Lord Almighty. This is the Lord getting really serious about those that were given the commission. It's time to press in, it's time to fast and pray, it's time to seek the Lord. He says, if you ignore that in the moment of the Lord's visitation, he says, that will be remembered. Like, oh my gosh. I have a bit of a fear of the Lord on me about this fast. I have been really praying to the Lord about what am I going to do and how am I going to do it. And I don't want to just come up with a plan. I want to just do something and roll the dice and hope it's good. I'm like, I got a little bit of fear of the Lord. I'm like, Lord, I want to do this right. I want to do this the way you want me to do this. I want to engage. When I'm in the room, I want to press in. I want to go for it. It's part of the reason that we've set up the structure that there's going to be a prayer time every 30 minutes in the room for the entire 21 days. Every 30 minutes, there's going to be a prayer time. We're going to be praying for one of the aspects of the, of, of the uh, fast because we want to make sure we're pressing in. And I'm going to go up to that mic. I mean, I'm going to be up there. I'm talking to the Lord about what I'm going to do, how I'm going to fast. I'm talking to the Lord about my time. I'm talking to the Lord about my heart posture in the room. Like, I'm looking at this and going, I don't want to miss this. I want to be fully engaged in the Lord's plan. I want to make sure I am all in it. Got to rend our hearts. Look at this. It not, it's not just that we would respond We've got to respond with sincerity and with depth. That's how you get this. Look at this next one. Joel 2, 12 through 17. Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. That's that's wholeheartedness. With fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. It's talking about the depth of the cry of the heart. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate. Look at this. He is slow to anger and abounding in love and he relents from sending calamity who knows, he may turn and relent, declare a holy fast, call a secret assembly, gather the people, let them say, spare your people, Lord. This is prescription of how do we get the favor of God? How do we usher in a move of God when judgment is uh, deserved or when, when just uh, boredom is deserved or how do we get God? How do we provoke him? He actually told us how. This would be manipulation except that God's the one that told us how to do it. God says, "Hey, if you want to get my attention, here's how you do it. It's got to be deep and sincere. I want you really pressing in. I mean, you you read the language here; it's really intense. Rending our hearts. This fast, we are going to press in together. Part of the reason I keep using that term about be wrung out at the end of it is because I want you to be wrung out at the end of it. Like I want for you to be exhausted. Like I gave everything I had." That 21 days nearly killed me. Like, I laid it all down. I'm pressing in. I want to see a move of God in my city. I want to see a move of God in my country, a move of God in the earth. Like, let's press in. We are pressing in for revival. Now, I want to give you just some good news that I hope will encourage you, because the last part was a little intense. I want to give you some good news, okay? What we're doing here, and I want to talk pretty specifically about what we're, TPR, our group of people is doing here, in connection to all of this, we're not new to this. We're not, this 21-day fast is not chapter one for us. It's chapter 21. We have been really engaging in this line of thinking for years and years. And I want to kind of get you encouraged by this. And for some of you, you're like, well, I wasn't here for that, so it doesn't count. That's totally wrong. That's the wrong perspective. You're in the family. It totally counts. Just like we're in the family of IHOP, I wasn't there in 1983 when Bob Jones showed up in Mike Bickle's office and started saying crazy stuff. But that's my promise, that's my inheritance, because I got into the movement that that was the prophetic word over. Similarly, you've jumped into the prayer remissions base. And TPR has been saying yes to this assignment. And by you saying yes today, you're getting to put an exclamation point on all the things we've already said yes to all over the years. You're getting to partner with that. So I'm going to give you some of the the storyline here. The call, Lou Engel. if you don't know that name, he has assembled many large stadium events for solemn assemblies in modern day in America. It is a sign and a wonder to get Americans to show up at a football stadium and pray and fast all day. That is a sign and wonder from God, and He's done it. He's done. It. I mean, I don't know how many of them He's put together, and we've gone to a bunch of them. Well, He also put one together here in Dallas, the Esther Call, and there were a bunch of us from this ministry that were there at that thing all day. Our uh, House of Prayer, in fact, helped staff some of the event, helped out with some different things, and then we were there. We were part of that. We were part of a solemn assembly. It was called by a main leader in the body of Christ. We were part of a solemn assembly in Dallas where we went to it and we were a part of it. The response, Houston. The governor of Texas, former governor Rick Perry. This is unthinkable to me. When I think about the current uh, political climate, I think about how the, the culture is so angry about everything Christian. The governor of Texas in that hour called a solemn assembly for Texas. That just breaks every rule. That has got to be one of the most profound things I've ever heard of in modern day. A governor of a state saying, state, gather in Houston at Reliant Stadium. Let's gather at this giant football stadium and let's pray and fast for revival in our state. Holy, called by the governor, the governor, the elected official of the, of the state, the main guy in the state says, I'm the main guy. You want to be in charge? Under my watch, we're going to do a solemn assembly in Houston. Unbelievable, and a ton of us went. There were a bunch of us there that were present for the solemn assembly that happened uh, at uh, the response in Houston. Well, in the wake of that and other things, we worked together with some other House of Prayer leaders here in our state, and we put together a solemn assembly for the state. It wasn't as well attended, for sure, but we put together as best as we could. We, got, we rallied our relational efforts. We got other main leaders in the prayer movement in the state of Texas, and we called a statewide solemn assembly that we called Assemble Texas back in 2015, and we held it here in Arlington, and we did a whole day, of prayer and fasting as a solemn assembly, asking God to break in, to bring revival, to, to give our nation a move, to, to move in our city, to move in, uh, in uh, America, like, we, we really pressed in. We called that solemn assembly. Well, one of our dear friends in the ministry, Luce Hogan, he called a solemn assembly in uh, Washington, D.C. on the mall. And that same day, there was a solemn assembly in Los Angeles. And so there were two solemn assemblies, one on the east coast, one on the west coast, happening at the same time. I went to the one on the east coast. I was there in it was crazy. It was like snow and rain. It was that was the most miserable day of prayer and fasting I could imagine. Like the whole sackcloth and ashes and all, I felt that. I mean, that was absolutely miserable. And we didn't leave. We just stayed there and we were miserable and we're just mad about it. And somehow being mad about it felt more holy. And so we were just the holiest of people that day (laughs) because we were mad. And and we're out there in the rain because we're praying for God to bring revival to our nation. Well, Franklin Graham, so Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham put together a 50-state initiative of solemn assemblies at the state capitals. So he's got this idea that he wants to go around to every state capital and call a psalm assembly at the state capitol and have people gather and pray and fast. We went down, or I went down with a group of pastors here in Arlington. We went down to the capital for the Billy Graham psalm assembly, and then they went around to all the other different states and did the same thing at all the other courthouses, or uh, all the other state capitals. I mean, that's pretty incredible. A 50-state coordinated thing. The prayer room in 2016 put together a... Uh, uh, a psalm assembly we just called Breakthrough. It was a, we held a three-day fast for our community where we gathered in the room 12 hours a day for this three-day fast, and we asked God to pour out his mercy on our nation, on our city, and on our ministry. In 2016, there was a gathering that was just called Gathering 2016. The program participated in a national psalm assembly via simulcast where leaders from across the nation gathered and spent the day praying for revival in America and awakening in the church. We were part of that in 2016. Heart of Texas solemn assembly in 2022 last summer. Ours, we had quite the showing down there in the middle of Texas, the center of Texas, Brady, Texas this town and this field that they figured out is the geographic center of the state or darn near close. And there was a solemn assembly just last uh, summer down in Brady, Texas. Guys, this isn't new stuff for us. This is who we are. This is what we do. It's not new. Now, you might go, well, I'm kind of new around here. I've not done any of that. Jump in with us, and the next time, it'll be old news for you. Like this, and not only that, I can't imagine you jumping in at a better one, because this is the big one, this is a really big deal. I'm going to throw in a couple more points, because I want you to see it and feel it. Like, we talk a lot around here about prayer. We talk a lot about the prayer movement. We talk a lot about the end times. I want you to understand, we are wholly committed to this thing called revival. Like, we are really, really, I mean... At great pain and financial cost and strain and fasting and all that. For the last number of years, we've added, we changed our prayer model so that our prayer model includes a time praying for revival every two hours. That's a pretty stout commitment to revival. That we're going to pray in all our different Devo sets because we got about 50 of them. Every two hours in in those Devo sets at the midway point in those Devo sets, we have a time where we pray for revival. Guys, we are praying for revival an extra 50 times a week and have been for years now. I mean, that is a significant commitment to revival. That is not a, a new idea for us. This is something that we eat, breathe, sleep, drink. We believe and are contending for revival, and we added fasting days in there. Along the way, We used to have fasting teams, now we've got Fasting Tuesday is when our staff fasts, and we still do the, the Global Bridegroom Fast every month, except these two months that are right around a 21-day fast, which I think is a very appropriate break. But every other month, we've been doing this Global Bridegroom Fast, and we fast as a staff on Tuesdays, invite the community to fast on Tuesdays. Why? We want to see God bring revival at every level, revival to our nation, to our state, to our city, to our own hearts, and to this ministry. We want to see a move of God. We have been contending. Here's the reason I'm saying all this. We have a rich, thick history of contending for the things that we're going to be contending for in this upcoming 21-day fast. The 21-day fast has layers. We'll talk about another layer next week. We'll talk about another layer the week after that. But tonight, the concept of revival, we have a rich history. And I want to invite you into it furthermore. I want to more than invite you into it. Worship leader, you can come on up. I want to more than invite you into it. I want you to recognize you're starting at mile three of a three and a half mile race. You're you're already at the end. Like... Jump in with us. We've been doing this. You get to ride on the shoulders of all of that history. That's going to actually make the grace here easier. That's going to make all the expectation higher. I mean, you are a part of something in this 21-day fast that's coming up that has great value. All that has gone on before this date, all that I just enumerated, related to the words that the Lord has given, the ways we've contended, that we prayed for revival, prayed for revival. It's only a matter of time before revival comes. There is no question if we follow the prescription. We've been following the prescription to a degree over the course of the last years. This fast is that next like punch in the face uh, uh, agreement and participation in the prescription. There is a prescription in the word for how to get revival we're doing it. This 21-day fast is the answer to how we see revival come to America. Now, are we going to see revival break out on the 21st day? I don't know. I'm going to pray like we will. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. I'm going to pray like God's going to break out in revival in response to this on the 21st day or the day after. That's how I'm going to pray. There is a lot of expectation. I want you to engage faith during this, this fast. Also, you've got to be around or you won't be a part of the narrative and none of this will make sense to you. Like you'll just be a spectacle, you know, a spectator. You just kind of stick your head in the room a little bit. I want to encourage all of you, 100% of you, be in this room all 21 days. Everybody, all 21 days, as many hours as you can pull off. You're like, I can only do three hours. Great, do three hours. I can only do this. I can do that. Great, great. But don't not do it. And when you're in this room, Let's contend. Let's pray and let's ask God to bring about a revival. Who knows? The Lord may relent and leave behind a blessing. You just don't know when the time is and the degree is. You just don't know when that bowl in heaven gets filled up. Let's contend like crazy with our group here to fill up that bowl in as much as we finally can. Let's believe this fast. Here's here's my invitation to you. You've heard the storyline. 1983, 21-day fast. We heard all the different fasts and and psalm assemblies that have happened over the years. Heard all the revival prayers that we've been praying. Let's do this. Let's believe. Let's press in like this 21-day fast is the final push. Let's contend. Let's push, let's press into this 21 day fast. Like it's the final thing that heaven's been waiting for, that everything's been set up for, that there's an appointed day when God will break in on the drought in America. Let's contend, let's press like this 21 day fast is that final push. And at the end, we're going to see revival. That's the heart that we want to have as we go into this. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at TPR dfw.com. Thank you.